seated. As Michelle said, we are happy that you are here this morning. We believe that you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be challenged, and God's going to speak to you this morning through His Word. Wasn't it a beautiful time worshiping together? Love it. So we are continuing on in our series on the Holy Spirit. If you all enjoyed it, you feel a little bit more enriched every week as we dive into everything that is the Holy Spirit. So a few weeks ago, I, I gave you this scripture, and this embodies the Trinity, or the Godhead. And Paul encourages the church in Corinthians, and again, this is my encouragement for all of us as we dive into the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, look what it says. It says that the grace of Jesus Christ, everybody say grace. grace. The love of God, everybody say love. love. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we're focusing on the aspect of the Holy Spirit and the communion He brings into our life. In other words, the fellowship, the intimacy where we can feel the love of God, where we can see His work and His, His fellowship in our life. Aren't you thankful for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the communion that we can have with Him that we are even experiencing this morning as we worship Him? So this morning title of the message is Baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, if you've been in this church for any amount of time, you know that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. We started off our series and I shared with you that the Holy Spirit is one of the most misinterpreted persons of, of the Godhead. That Jesus, we love Jesus, we love the parables, we love the scripture. God, we know he's a good father. But then when it comes to Holy Spirit, he's who's represented on the earth. How many of you know there's a lot of different mindsets, there's a lot of different ways people view him? And I shared with you, kind of in my generation, the biggest thing that blocks people from receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit is they think it's weird, or they don't understand it, or am I going to bark, or is something crazy going to happen? <laughs> I shared the story of you of, of a guy who genuinely came to me and was concerned because when he saw a woman who was full of the Holy Spirit, she began to bark. And I said, buddy, that's not, the whole, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. And how you see Jesus is, is how the Holy Spirit baptizes us and makes us like Jesus. I want to look at Scripture, and I want to dive into this. And if you were here for our series in the book of Acts, then you were brought up to date and you were brought up to par because we talked about Pentecost and what that means and how we get filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened in the upper room and what came forth. You know, as I was studying, a lot of people think that Jesus' last words, which we find in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, is to go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them, observing all things that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So a lot of us think that that's Jesus' last words. But if you really get in there and you see what really is the last words of Jesus before he ascended to be with the Father. And then when he said, I'm, someone is coming after me that's greater, right? Yeah. That there's going to be the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, look what the last words of Jesus were. And it's recorded in the Gospels, and it's also recorded in the book of Acts. And it says in Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say wait. Wait, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you, everybody say me, me. 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, there's denominations, there's all different thinking and theology where people don't think there's a second baptism. We know that when we confess Christ and we say, I want him to be Lord of my life, that is salvation or conversion or the initial, okay, where I'm, I'm a sinner, I need grace, I'm broken, I need the love of the Father. And then what usually follows after that is the first baptism, it's water baptism. And we get baptized and it's, this, it's the symbol of our salvation experience where we go down an old man, everyone claps and cheers as, as they come up a new man. But a lot of people stop there. A lot of churches stop there because they don't understand or they think that, well, that died with the apostles or that was for then, but it's not for now. Well, what I want to show you this morning, because in this church, we believe in the full gospel. We believe what the word of God says, that there is a second baptism, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where you are anointed with charismatic power, the gifts, the charisms of the Holy Spirit get deposited into your life. And if you've experienced the baptism as I have, it changes everything about your life. For me, I've shared my story before, but quickly what it looked like is I was uh, a fifth grader and we met in what's now the kindergarten house in the basement. We had Club 56. Come on, my Club 56ers, let me hear you. Fifth and sixth graders, that was our little youth group at the time. And we would throw the VHS in the, uh, the TV there, and we would worship. And there was this one song that uh, I always loved that I just really connected with. And it was Show Me Your Glory by Third Day. Anybody love that song? Jeff, I know you love that song. Uh, so we began, right, we began worshiping with that song, and I, I, that was just my heart's cry in the moment. Show me your glory. I want to f- experience the glory of God. So I went up to our Club 56 leader, Miss Jenny. I said, Miss Jenny, just pray for me. I'm just, I want to experience the glory of God. So she prayed for me. She said, no, I just want you to go back and just worship and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. And so that I did. And I can remember just worshiping. And it was a presence that just came upon me that was so heavy and so thick. And it, it dropped me to my knees. And I just be, I began worshiping God on my knees. And it was... It was uh, like I want to show you here in a minute, I identified with it later on as I went and studied the testimony of Charles Finney, but it was like waves of liquid love that began to wash over me. And if you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've, you can identify with that, is that it's like the marking, just as, as an animal or, or whatever is branded, it's like God brands you and you know he's real and you know his power can work and operate in your life. It confirmed identity it confirmed purpose in my life because I look, and you guys can identify with this too. If you look back at some of the toughest parts of your life, without that baptism of the Holy Spirit to seal you, think how hard it would be to get through things without power in your life. But it's through those, those low seasons of my life, and I'm sure you can testify with, is when you have that power in your life, you can make it through anything and end up victorious on the other side of it because you have power and you have purpose in your life. So Jesus' final instructions was not go, but was wait. It's important that even in any season of life, a life change, a big decision, that you wait for power in your life, or you wait for instruction, or you wait for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because a lot of us, man, when we get saved, we want to 
be gung-ho. We want to go and we want to reach the world. We want to jump in ministry. We want to preach and play and sing. But it's important that you wait for power from on high. So I want to look in Acts. Peter shares probably one of the most powerful sermons post-Pentecost that we've seen. And it's really he exits out of the upper room and this is what Peter shares. And the account is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter is out sharing. I want to share to you what he says. He says, now when they heard this, so Peter's preaching. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Any better been in a church service where you've heard a message where you were cut to the heart? We like it. Sometimes we don't like it. So they were cut to the heart and the conviction of the Holy Spirit they were experiencing for the first time. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So that's a pretty broad question when you think about it. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit. He's cutting through to their hearts. And now they ask, okay, we're wide open. What now shall we do? And so look how the Holy Spirit inspires Peter in verse 38 and 39. Look what Peter says. And this is our salvation. This is our baptism experience of of that God desires for all of us to experience in our lives and in our walk with him. Peter says, repent. Everybody say repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins? And you shall, here's the second baptism, and you shall receive the gift. Everybody say gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, if you read that last part there, there's nothing there that tells me or should tell you that the Holy Spirit died right after Pentecost or died with the apostles. But Peter's saying, hey, that this promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit is going to touch every generation for years and for years and for years to come. I even think of Timothy when you read his baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says, by the laying on of hands of your grandmother Eunice and your mother Lois. And how it was transferred then into Timothy. The same is for all of you and for all of us. Parents, grandparents, that there is a treasure that you hold, especially if you're in this church where you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And to put your children, your grandchildren in a place where they can experience that. I think if my tired, waterproofing father wouldn't have got me to church on Wednesday night that night, what if I wouldn't have experienced it? There's something about parents putting your children in a place where they can experience the power of God. And I love that about this house and the school we have here. All that was birthed. And let's give our children a place where they can have the word of God poured into their life. And they can experience God for themselves. Also, Mr. Larry in the back, our PE teacher, he knows how to get us in physical tip-top shape. So we thank you for that. That's why I'm jacked and ripped, right? I humble boast. <laughs> Thanks, Pam. And so we see here that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all generations, for all people. Gentiles, everyone. It's for everyone. The Holy Spirit is. I want to look at some accounts in the book of Acts. But before we do that, in order, because I believe as we go to two services, is our body 
begins to grow because we're a body, we're a church, and our body's going to get stronger and stronger. We're going to be able to take the baptism of the Holy Spirit out these four doors because we're, think about it this way. God has called especially our church for more than just salvation. That's amazing and that's great, but we want them to know the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so as mature believers, we have to know how to communicate it. We have to know how to uh, demonstrate it, one that it's operating in our lives, and then we can go and lay hands and believe and pray, see signs, wonders, and miracles. It all just doesn't happen. A lot of us want to believe the pie in the sky, Holy Spirit, you're going to move when you want to do, and he does, but it comes with all of us working and laboring and knowing the word of God, knowing his presence, practicing the presence of God. When we worship and we give our voice over to the Holy Spirit, we practice the presence of God. We're talking about practice, as Alan Iverson said, if you remember that interview. So look at, look what scripture says, and this is kind of how I remembered it. If you look, because all four gospels show the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. So a lot of them say the same things, a little bit different of a perspective. But then we see the Gospel of John, where you really see the early years of Jesus' ministry. A lot of the stories that we love about Jesus are found in John. John was the last living apostle, wrote the the Gospel of John in about A.D. 70. And so he was also known as John the Beloved because he had that closeness with Jesus. So you see a lot of the intimacy that John, the closeness that he had with Jesus by his writings. And so what's neat about it is you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Matthew 3, Luke 3, John 1, and Mark 1. You see where, where it says, yes, that John baptizes in repentance, but Jesus is coming to baptize in fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see it confirmed in all four Gospels. And what's neat is that it's, it's usually only, the, as I studied, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it's the resurrection, the death and burial of Jesus that's confirmed. So all four of the, all three of those things are found in all the Gospels. And so we always have to ask is, why do people leave out this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why don't we see that happening? Why don't we see people waking up to the potential and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us? Because I don't know about you, husbands and wives or parents, you need power to be in your little church. You know what's neat is, is, is the, uh, in the early church, they would see the family as the home as the lowercase c church, the little church. So men and women, you're the leaders in that home. Guess what? You need power to be able to lead in your marriages. You need power to be able to lead in your homes. And so I want to look at scripture where you see these baptisms take place in the book of Acts. Look at Acts Chapter 8, verse 14. This is where we see the Holy Spirit come in Samaria. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, so that salvation they had accepted, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive, somebody say receive, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the apostles here, Peter and John, laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. 
So we see there an account there is that they had become followers of Christ, but then the apostles went in after and said, hey, you think you've experienced Jesus or you've experienced grace? Wait till you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 10, where the Gentiles hear the good news. If you want a little extra reading, if you want to be a, an awesome Christian, you can read 34 through 43. For lack of time, we'll leave that to you in your personal study. But look where the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit in verse 44. Kenny, if you want to skip to, to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Here's what it says. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. That's amazing. Imagine you're listening to a message right now, and the Holy Spirit falls on you. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit, somebody say gift, had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Now remember when I said gift, I did this analogy with Pastor Webb. I said, Pastor Webb, I'm going to give you the gift of my wallet. So if I were to give my wallet to you, you think I'm getting it, but then I'm just going to give you a coupon to Jersey Mike's, then you're going to be a little disappointed or you're not going to get the fullness of what could be in here. The same is with the Holy Spirit. We think when when we think of the gift of the Holy Spirit, well, I'm just going to get tongues, or I'm just going to get prophecy, or I'm just going to get healing. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is everything. It's all that you see, and as Paul shares in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's what Isaiah revealed in Isaiah chapter 11, of what the, how the Holy Spirit will reveal himself. And it's a gift. It can be freely given. All we have to do is simply ask, because the Holy Spirit does not force himself upon anyone. He waits for us to surrender ourselves over to him. Now he'll, because I've seen in my life, and I know many of you have, you'll see where he'll uh, get a hold of us, just like we said, since his love has got a hold of me. He knows how to get a hold of us. He's good enough to draw us into him. But then we make a decision in our lives to let down and to receive. So we see, as the Holy Spirit was poured out, verse 44, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So it's amazing. And look what Peter said. He said, then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit as we did? So they were sealed. They had received the Holy Spirit. And so going back to Peter's sermon, we see again that the process to the promise of the Holy Spirit is we repent, we be water baptized, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our last account, let's look in Acts chapter 19. This pattern continues all throughout the book of Acts. And here's what's neat. If you look at the timeline of when these things are occurring, it's just not boom, 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 one month after the other. This account we're about to read in, in Acts chapter 19 is three to four years after Pentecost. And so we see the Holy Spirit is still on the move and changing cities, changing churches. It's amazing when you see how all of this takes place. Look at verse 1. It says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So again, the, the word and message of Jesus and how he resurrected, he rose from the dead, the message spread like wildfire. 
But then, as you see, the apostles came behind. Okay, you received Jesus, but have you received the gift, the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And so they're kind of like, well, what? We haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And I think a lot of us, even if you came from other churches or different backgrounds, you might have been in churches where you had never really heard emphasis on the Holy Spirit, or you never heard the power that is offered to you as a gift. And so a lot of us at some point in your journey can identify with this, or there's people lost in the world or Christians who don't have power in their life. I don't think there's any more, uh, I don't know, it just, it grieves me that there's believers and Christians walking around and and serving God full of joy and, and loving him, but they haven't experienced the power to really step in and be all who God has called them to be. And so he says, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And you know what's neat is that I was thinking about the thief on the cross. Where, what, it, what happened with one of the thieves? He said, Jesus, or remember me in paradise, right? And Jesus said, you're saved, I'll remember you. So there's salvation and there is access into eternity through salvation as we saw through the thief of the cross. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to give us power here on earth. I can tell you that if the story could have been different through the thief's side, please let me come down and let me experience Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's my heart for you through all this is if we go a step deeper here, is that we would know that there is power available to all of us. And it's a gift that's given to us. And so, look what Paul continues to say. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, okay, let's see here. Lost my spot. So he said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, well, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Because they all have heard of John's baptism. Or look at, sorry, verse 3, it says, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? He, because here's what Paul is saying. Hey, theology matters. It matters what you believe. It matters how you interpret Scripture. A lot of us have di- different interpretations of Scripture. It matters. It matters the interpretation we get of Scripture. And so Paul says this. He says, okay, then, then into what were you baptized? You can tell Paul is kind of okay, I'm kind of scared for you here a little bit. What baptism were you experiencing? And they said, oh, no, we're good. We're into John's baptism. So Paul explained what they were missing here. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, and here it is, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, The Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. So the gift of the Holy Spirit manifested themselves in that moment. Another vantage point I felt to share with you of the Holy Spirit, so there's the baptism, but as I was studying Ephesians 5.18, look what it says, it says being filled with the Spirit. If you go back to the original language, the Greek, the translation of it, it was a be being filled. It was a continuation. I think we can all agree with that, that as you came into church this morning, whatever you walked in with, you got to throw it off. You got to shake it off. 
and his presence strengthened you. It loosened you up and made you flexible. Some of you, if you could do some leg kicks, you would have done them because the presence of God loosens us and breaks resistance down and reminds us that we're not in this fight on our own, but there's power in our lives. And so with the Holy Spirit, there's always a renewal for the believers, for you and I, where we've had the initial baptism, we've had the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there is a renewal that when you come into the house of God, you can be renewed in his presence and you can be strengthened to go back out and battle and fight for your family, fight for your marriage, fight and advance the kingdom of God, bring healing to brokenness around you. So there's a renewal in the Holy Spirit as well. Where do we see this? We see in Acts 4.31, look what it says. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So Peter and John got together after they had experienced some persecution and some trial. They got together and they prayed. Anybody ever been in a place you experienced some persecution, trial, get with your husband, get with your wife, get with your family, get with the pastor, you pray. And look, the Holy Spirit again filled them with boldness. It takes boldness and it takes courage to follow God. We can't do it on our own strength, but it's his supernatural ability when we give ourselves over to him. We see, as Paul said, that in my weakness, he is made strong. When you give your weakness over to him, you experience his strength. That's a pretty good exchange right there. We exchange our weakness for his strength. And so when we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an indwelling happens. You know, I even think if we could go and interview some of the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament or the prophets, they could never fully experience the indwelling that we have as a gift to us today. The Holy Spirit would hover and inspire for for moments for words to come forth, but then usually it would leave. But when Jesus, because of the perfect sacrifice, because of the cross, it gives us the ability, as I said, which is the most dignifying thing any of us will ever experience, is that we can become a temple for his presence to dwell within us. And out of that place, it changes everything about us. It changes the decisions we make. It changes everything we do from a day-to-day basis because we don't want to grieve, we want to please the Holy Spirit in our life because we want his presence to be within us, guiding us and leading us. So there's this indwelling and an infilling that happens for an empowerment and growth in the fruits of the Spirit. You go and you read in Galatians 5, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Those are the things that should be operating and growing in your life as a Spirit-filled, charismatic Christian. But it does, doesn't stop there. The gifts of the Spirit get deposited into your life, as we said, as Paul told Timothy, do not neglect, but stir it. Stop neglecting it. Stop undervaluing it. Stop keeping it dormant in your life, but stir it up. Because you were baptized through the laying on of hands of your mother. Don't let it die there. You know, I think about back on my own experience, and you visit your own experience of the baptism if you've experienced it. I could have just left it there or said, that was just happened then, and I'm really not going to investigate it anymore. Well, a few years later, I was 16 years old, and I just began really pressing into the Holy Spirit again. And who, what better person to go and talk to than Pastor Joyce? 
Uh, so I, I texted her up and said, hey, can I pop over to your house and can we just pray and, and just tell me more about the Holy Spirit? And so a lot of the scriptures I shared with you, we got in the Bible, we sat in her living room, and she just began to open the pages and reveal the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. And I said, how it's revealed there is what I want in my life. And so we took a moment and we stood there and we prayed. And again, it was like that wave of his presence, as we said last week, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I could feel something welling up within me, a boldness, a courage, a passion for God. And out of my mouth, prayer language came forth. And so there's something beautiful when you see how he's revealed through scripture and you say, I want to give myself over to that Holy Spirit to baptize me. And as a, a saint or a, a, a father or a mother of the faith prayed for me to receive that. And that's my heart for you this morning is that you would not neglect the baptism that you've experienced or if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit here in a minute, I want to pray with you and anoint you to receive that. And so there is a renewal. Maybe you're sitting here and you need a renewal of his presence in your life. Anybody ever felt, been in a season of drought where where are you, God? I feel like everything I do, something else, uh, ripples effects into something worse and I'm always trying to pick up the pieces of my life. There's a baptism for you to have power, charismatic power. And here in the next few weeks, we're gonna rip open what the gifts are. And how the, the early church, the apostles understood them and how we should understand them today. I'm already excited. I could, we could have a Sunday night service and I could preach them tonight. I'm not excited about it. I love it. Again, remember the first week, the question we ask. It's, do I, it's not, do I have all the Holy Spirit? But does the Holy Spirit have all of me? You know, what's funny too, when you think of how the confusion and the mixing up that the Holy Spirit, the rap that he's got, look at Hebrews 6 too. And we, if you were in our Driven by Eternity study, Bevere hit on this as we were looking at eternal rewards and judgment. Here's what, he, here's what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. He says that the doctrines of baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and of eternal judgment. If you go to verse 3, you'll actually see these are elementary teachings. Yeah. The things that are so elementary, the devil, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren has come in and brought confusion, brought disorder, tried to keep the church divided. Think how many churches are divided simply off the Holy Spirit. It's sad because the enemy knows if he can keep us divided, then we'll be weak. But when we can gather together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because it is an anointing for your life, the same anointing that I've experienced or my experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit the Father has an experience for you. That's how good he is. It's not just for a pastor or a church leader, but it's for each and every one of us. And the, the sad thing is, as I was reading this, man, this is an elementary doctrine, and there's so much mi misunderstanding of it. Kenny, if you have our, our picture of Charles Finney testimony, I want to invite the band if you guys come up. I want you to look at this. This was... Uh, a church revivalist back in the day during the Great Awakenings. And this was a little bit of his testimony of how he described the Holy Spirit. Now what's funny is, is he started off in a place where he didn't know the Holy Spirit. He thought that when he received Christ, he had everything, everything that he needed in his life. 
And so a little bit of backstory on what you're reading. There was a couple of, of ladies in his church who would experience the Holy Spirit, and they would go up to him and say, hey, we're, we're praying for you that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's funny is Finney would look at him and says, oh, sweetie, you know, I already have everything that I need. I'm good. But look how it starts off. It says that he was in his living room, and he received the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. So these ladies were praying for him, and they got him thinking, well, maybe I should investigate, investigate this a little bit. And so for him, even as it was as for Pastor Joyce, when she dropped to her knees and said, I want the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit showed up powerfully in her life, something very similar happened with Fenny. Look down here, and this is what really stuck out to me, as I shared with you previously. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and with love. And I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out of the utterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect, I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me, I said. Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. Look at the boldness and the purpose. And it said that he, the, if you look at his church before, he, that Finney experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, I felt it was dead. There was no power. No one's lives were changing. After that experience, that's when everything changed in their church, in their ministry. You saw people experiencing the Holy Spirit in ways that had never happened before. All because the Holy Spirit showed up and he gave himself over to the Spirit of God. How many of you would love to experience waves and waves of his love crashing over you, that reckless love, that he'll light up the dark places in our life. He'll kick down walls because that's how much he pursues us. Just as the prodigal father, when the son had blown in the inheritance, had blown everything, and he comes back to the father, wondering, full of shame, wondering, is, is my father going to take me back? What happened? The father ran after him. The same is with the love of God. It runs after us. And what happened? There was an embrace and restoration and healing came about. So I just want to invite you to stand. Again, the Holy Spirit does not force himself on any of us. But I want to take a moment. Seth, if you just play the guitar, I just want to, to pray. And I want you to join in and pray with me. And let's just ask for the Holy Spirit to come right where we're at. And then for those of you you might have grown up in a church where you didn't hear about the Holy Spirit. You might be new here today. You haven't experienced the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to come and I want you to stand right here with me. And then I want to anoint you and pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now here's the thing. Faith is stronger than feeling. A lot of us, and I've been guilty of it, well, if I don't feel it, I'm not experiencing it. Faith is stronger than feeling. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. And so by you taking this step forward, you're stepping out in faith saying, Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to you. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. The next group I want to open it up to is if you need a renewal in the Holy Spirit. Just as we read, the apostles were experiencing persecution. They needed boldness. They need courage. Maybe you're in a season of life where you feel like you're tired. You've given all you've got. And you need a renewing of his presence, of his power. 
you need that baptism in your life. So right now, if you just close your eyes, Father, as the church, we come before you. We lift our hands right now in a posture of receiving, and we say, we want the Holy Spirit. We open up our hearts, we open up our minds. As Paul said in Corinthians, that I would have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit makes that possible. Father, we just give ourselves over to you, that you would come and have your way, that you would baptize us. Because you baptized us, you said, wait for the promise. Well, Father, we're waiting for you. We know the harvest is there, but we want your power as we go into home groups and as we live stream, as we go to two services. We want your power here for people's lives to be changed. But their lives can't be changed unless we're transformed, unless we have your baptism operating in our lives. Father, you give us charismatic charisms endowed graces upon our lives. So with our hands lifted, we just tell the Holy Spirit, I receive the graces you have for me. I receive the charisms, the power that was seen on Pentecost. I receive that in my life. Now go before him in a heart of repentance. Just say, Father, I repent of anything, any sin, any hidden areas. I repent. I ask that you would come and cleanse me right now by the blood of Jesus because that is the remission of my sins. What you did on the cross, I ask the power of the cross, the power of Jesus to cleanse me. I repent of anything that would hinder, build walls and blockade you from getting into my life. I give you the keys to my heart. I give you the keys to my mind, Holy Spirit. Baptize us as a church. Baptize us in the name of Jesus. Now, if you haven't experienced this baptism,